Hey everyone, welcome back to another Public Truth. I'm Daniel Evans, and I am once again joined by your friend and mine, Dr. Tom Wisht. Dr. Wisht. Hey everybody. How's it going, man? Yes, people. Yes. It's going well, man. Going well. Um, I don't know if we use the recorded one or not. We got Shepard running around the room building some train tracks. Shepard. Should be really exciting. Good, man. Well, I'm sure uh, I'm sure everybody's seen uh, a lot worse on the background of some of their Zoom calls and different meetings they've been on. So uh, it's fun. If you just want to Google it and, and see some of the different interruptions people have had in the background of their video calls, it's, it's pretty awesome. So yours is tame in that regard. Interesting. We, uh, we just received some new news here in the UK on the new stage that we're entering as it pertains to lockdown and potential reopening. How are you guys uh, as a family responding to it, man? Great stuff, man. You tell me, dude, is this week seven of lockdown? I think it's, I think it's eight-ish, eight-ish. Yeah. Week 9,000 of lockdown. Yeah. yeah. Hey, man. Steady she goes over here. You know the drill. Uh, home learning um, con- continues to happen. Um, we're enjoying things with Redeemer right now. Um, it looks like it is a, a clear path forward. Uh, it'll just be uh, slow and steady going down the path. So that's where we are going forward. And, um, yeah, fam- family's, family's doing fine. Looks like from tomorrow being Wednesday, you'll be able to spend as much time outdoors as you'd like to or need to. Yeah. Working out or just hanging out in the park. So um, I will not be sunbathing, but it's nice to know that's now an allotted freedom. And uh, you can also have socially distanced hangouts with one friend. Oh, so man. I look forward to writing you a handwritten note in purple crayon asking if you'll go on a, socially distanced hangout with me. That'll be fun. How about you guys? What's going on? True or false? We're going on a walk tomorrow. (laughs) We're going on a walk tomorrow. Absolutely true. We're going to see our good people at Dark Habit and uh, get some to-go beverages. And uh, I think we're just going to go for it. Oh, gosh. Sounds so good. I have not had a coffee that's been made anywhere except my house in eight weeks so that'll be that'll be lovely smokes i can't wait your taste Um, buds are going to explode yeah what's been what's been going on in the evans house yeah we're we're hanging in um we celebrated u.s mother's day over the weekend and had a great time celebrating Paige. um we were hopeful that we'd get a little more clarity on the kids schooling um moving into june um but that that remains uh to be determined and uh, I think the, especially our two oldest were a little disappointed that there, there wasn't more than that, but we're all, we're all just trying to continue uh, enjoying the elements of the season that, uh, that are unique in the sense that we have family time all day, every day in the home. It, uh, it, I know there's going to be a day we're going to look back and, uh, and, and remember it fondly. So uh, continuing to try to, keep that on the front of our minds so um it's good perspective good perspective yeah man 
let's uh, let's move into the uh, to the chat for this week, um, dude. You know, ten weeks ago, this uh, we could anticipate this virus coming, kind of snuck up on us, and uh, you know saw it a few weeks before it actually hit here and began locking down. But we, uh, we've, we've been trying to get an organization started. We've got our families here. We, we just feel settled, feel like this place is home now. And then we anticipated this thing coming and shutting things down. And it really threw us off in, in modern times and especially in our lifetime. There, there just wasn't a blueprint for how to react. What were you feeling? This will be fun. I uh, I didn't hear the last part of what you just said, but oh, it looked great. like it was a question. It so was. I just take it and run with it. Go for as, it. Uh, I'm I'm gonna guess as the uh, as the pandemic was setting in and as things were locking down. Um. I think I think I was feeling a couple of different things, man. Like not knowing how to feel is a big part of it. Um, not knowing what's going to happen next as a family. Um, not knowing really where we should go, like as an organization. It was a lot of not knowing what to do, not knowing what these next steps um, should look like. And uh, you know, I'm thankful that we were doing this in community. Uh, Jesus, you know, sent them out two by two. And that's been something that we've been careful to like abide by as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to figure it all out on our own. We're a team and we work together. So that's exciting. Um, we're also part of networks, both here in London and uh, back in the States. And there's just people to lean on and to depend on, which is helpful as well. And um, we have a really amazing launch team of people that we get to consult with and interact with, try to figure out um, and plot our next move. So, um, that's where, that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of it, man. Really not knowing what we should do, but I think it's, you're smiling. Am I, am I coming through? I can't tell, but it's great to be able to, uh, really look into history as well and be able to take some cues from history. So dude, that w- that was it for us. Um, that's really good. Any difference for you? Um, because I have a question I want to ask you about history after yeah. after you just share some personal impressions. Yeah, I, I think for me, feeling much the same. I think the the relative despair in the early days and weeks was that the the governments of the world really didn't know how to respond confidently to this. At least many of them didn't. And so I felt, man, there's, there's really no blueprint out there to know how to confidently respond to this, to, to lead my family through this and in it, to, uh, to help lead an organization in and through it. And so in the early days, my, uh, my frustration and even discouragement was, where's a resource beyond myself, beyond our day and time that knows how to get through a time like this. That's fantastic. I think the the timing of us starting to read the the rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark um, was really helpful for both of us 
um, because as we were both trying to figure this out, uh, we rolled into chapter four, which is called Epidemics, Networks, and Conversion. And getting into this chapter, it really led us on to some other resources and conversations about how the church has responded uh, before. So, you know, epidemics and pandemics aren't new to world history. They've been around for thousands of years. Um, and while we have been looking for um, a blueprint or a template for how we should respond right here in Queens Park today, I think we've been able to find some helpful perspective from the past. Um, we've been talking about it. I honestly, just want to put you on the spot to be able to talk through um, some, of, some of the Christian response. Um, I, th I think the big word for us even here is heritage, right? How has, um, how has the movement of Christianity responded to similar cultural moments in the past? What are a few things that you'd have us think about as we start to consider the Christian heritage in responding to pandemics? Yeah, good, good, uh, good tee up, man. Well, while we and our generation, while our parents' generation and even our grandparents' generations have never had to face anything like this, we, we're connected to a long line of, of people who have believed the same things, who've, who've been a part of what we call the, the church universal, all Christians in all places at, at all times in history. And, uh, and we can actually look back and see the way these brothers and sisters have responded uh, with less medicine, less schooling, um, less science at their disposal. And, uh, and it actually gave us some blueprint to, to follow. And, uh, and really, when we get right down to it, this is, a, this is conversations here at The Public Truth about the relevance of church in culture. And we actually find it hugely reasonable and relevant. In, in this day and time. Um, a, a few examples taking this primarily from Rodney Stark's work, The Rise of Christianity, um, historian Rodney Stark. Um, there's the example in the mid third century called the plague of Cyprian. And uh, there were 5,000 deaths a day in Rome during this time. And, uh, and here's what Dionysius, the Bishop of Alexandria said, talking about Christian brothers and sisters in this time, when we think about the heritage during the response of uh, during times of pandemic, he said, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves or thinking, and they were thinking only of others. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need, ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in the nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. It's, it's this really, uh, really heavy example of Christians, our, our, our forerunners in the faith, who, who didn't embrace fear. They didn't embrace the unknown um, with, with trembling. 
but they embraced it just like our creator uh, and, and our author, Jesus, who, uh, who self-sacrificed. And, uh, and we see that in, in these brothers and sisters during the plague of Cyprian. It, it, it's not necessarily an example that you and I feel a conviction to follow uh, all the way through. Um, we, we do have a government who's told us that, that we need to social distance and, and, and do things to, uh, to mitigate the spread. So we're, we're not running into homes and being, being willfully infected, but uh, the heart behind what these brothers and sisters did was care for others um, with a higher regard than for their own safety. And, and for you and I, that was a takeaway um, for a pathway through this. Don't, don't embrace fear was the big idea. Embrace care for one another. Wow. That's really helpful as an example. Um, so that was Dionysius. I know uh, there's an encounter with Cyprian that could be helpful to consider. Um, then, then we have Martin Luther from Wittenberg. We also have uh, Charles Spurgeon, who responded in his own way to, um, I mean, such a such a such a serious global issue in his own time. And would you take us to just one more place for an example before I want to come back to and draw out this theme of being like Christ that I heard you mention right there? Could you uh, would you take us just one more place, be it uh, be it to Carthage, to Wittenberg, or to to London? Could we go to one more place and just hear one more example of how the church has responded before? Yeah, I, I think it's appropriate to uh, to to go to London in uh, in the 1850s. Um, plague broke out, and Charles Spurgeon, this pastor, uh, not not only a forerunner in the faith, but a forerunner in the occupation that you and I are, are, uh, are trying to faithfully fulfill. And, uh, and Spurgeon was only 20 years old, a young, young man when, uh, when the plague hit. And uh, it says he would look back to this plague as a key time of learning both for himself and for the city. And, And there's a quote from Spurgeon that says, if there ever be a time when a mind is so sensitive, it is when death is abroad. I recollect when first I came to London, how anxiously people listened to the gospel for the cholera was raging terribly. There was little scoffing then. And, uh, and it seems like that's been true today where, uh, where there's nothing like the, the imminence of our own human fragility that, uh, that forces us to examine uh, the things that we're staking our life on. And, and when you actually look at Spurgeon, he took enormous risks during this time of cholera outbreak as a 20 year old to make sure that this rock solid foundation of the message of the gospel could get out to people who were sick and afraid and dying. And, and just like brothers and sisters from the, the mid third century and, and all the way through Spurgeon embraced faith and not fear. And, and again, that was an example that, that you and I have tried to lean on in this time. Fantastic, Daniel. I really love how you're drawing out 
um, from from both of these stories and, and giving hints all over the place to others. The uh, the the intent right here then of the the church that's gone before this movement that's been around and will continue to stick around. The intent was not to be heroic. Um, the the intent is not merely to be humanitarian, but there's this model that they're drawing their behavior on, and it's this person of Christ. Um, I, I heard you mention it with Dionysius. So I want to come back, scroll back, and double click on that. Talk to us more about Christ likeness then um, from the ways that the churches have responded before. Yeah, the the way of Christ, while uh, while he was a leader during his time on earth of of this little band of people, um, the way of Christ was humility and self-sacrifice and considering others before himself to the extent that he actually gave his life as a substitute for for others and uh and that's what makes uh christianity and the institution of the church different than than anything out there uh, other founders were were famous uh famous people who had lots of power and uh and they were highly esteemed in their day and uh and when we look at Jesus the the one who's the central figure of the Christian faith it was quite the opposite he was despised and rejected it's what the christian scriptures say and uh and he did it at all out of love for uh for those who would believe so um, that, that's the way that Christians have embraced. There, there's a way of Christ that we follow, and it's, it's self-sacrifice, it's humility, and it's considering others before ourselves. That, that's what Christian brothers and sisters through the centuries have embraced when we talk about Christ-likeness, and that's something you and I in this time are, are fighting to embrace as well, as hard as it is. That's fantastic, man. That is fantastic. Um, let me just ask you one more question, and uh, we can uh, just move on to reflecting about where we are right now and uh, what we're seeing around us. You know, specific applications uh, for us today, like how does this really cash out to uh, Christians or people who are not Christians, maybe seeking or skeptical about the claims of Christianity in this season? What's the cash out value of this Christian heritage for everyday life in our modern world today? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of straw man arguments out there about the Christian faith and, and even the church that um, it's, it's a bunch of fundamental fundamentalist radicals. Um, maybe even the, the church has been this massive institution that spread injustice through the centuries, the, and, and, and certainly there have been moments where there have been bad things done in the name of the Christian religion, just like there have been bad things done in the name of every other religion and even worldview, including secularism. But the reality is, when you actually look at what's happened through the last 2,000 years of, of Christian history, it's been a people largely distinguished by uh, their humility and their willingness to serve and care for communities around them 
regardless of the cost to their own selves. So I would say it's worth exploring and investigating because of, of the people. And we've all known Christians who are, who are really crummy people and you wouldn't want to be around. But when, when you look at the overall theme and the overall stream of Christianity, it's a people distinctly marked by Christ-likeness, this humility and this care for a neighbor, regardless of the cost. That's fantastic, Daniel. That's fantastic. You know, to put the other, I guess, just a few trimmings around uh, this that you've put together for us today. Uh, we look around our streets today and we see a, a lot of just really, really nice people um, have gone to work in networking streets together, um, coming together to bring food together for food banks, um, people from different worldviews, religions, philosophies, backgrounds, and cultures all coming together uh, to try to be a force for good in a season like this. And, and man, that's to be, that's to be commended. A, uh, a common grace freely given to the world by God. That's what James would tell us, uh, book of the Bible, um, here to make the world a better place. And uh, we have God to thank like for that. And specifically within it, praise God for this model from history of, of all the stories we could have that endure about how Christianity has navigated these things uh, before. We have uh, just story after story after story of the followers of Jesus going to people who are sick and hurting and doing everything they can to love them and to serve them, often like Christ, taking their very sickness on themselves. What a, mo what a model to follow. Daniel, this has been tremendous. You've taken us into history and showing us some of how the churches responded before. Um, I personally take a lot of encouragement from this and some real challenge uh, for what this looks like for me to love my neighbors over these uh, next couple of weeks and months as uh, things gradually begin to move back to some semblance. That's great, man. I, I agree. It's encouraging to remember um, and, and recall that there is a resource outside of just our day and outside of just our time that uh, that's experienced similar things before and, and have created a track and a pathway to respond. Um, reasonableness and the relevance of church in, uh, in today's culture. Thanks, Thomas, for, for the dialogue. And, uh, and we do thank you guys for continuing to track with us. We'd love to invite you back again um, for more conversations and dialogue here on The Public Truth. You can check us out on the web, www.thepublictruth.co.uk. You can also find us on our social media uh, channels at The Public Truth. And we hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks, Thomas. And thanks, everyone else.